0: Hey, everybody,
1: sorry I'm late. I was trying to rob a bank, and then it turns out the day just kept getting worse and 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 worse. And worse. Uh, you're listening to This Film Has Not Yet Created, the podcast where we make our own version of movie sequels that never got made. I'm your host, Christopher Rivas, and with me as always is my co-host, Mr. Steve Grande.
2: Hi, sorry I'm late, but I was uh, moving up the ranks in the Boston Police Department. Um, But I got to look behind me and make sure no one's on to me because I'm actually working for Frank Costello and the mob. (laughs) (laughs) And I got to tell people, I'm not a cop. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we have a very
1: funny guest. He is a comedian who does improv, sketch... He, uh, he writes, he's also a really talented sword fighter. I, who would have thought? Anyways, please welcome <laughs> Mr. Tom Mackin.
0: Hey guys, so I'm running a little bit late. I was trying to get here by a horse on my you know, my buddy Martinez was swipe, sweeping by, but we got jacked by this Mr. Crab sounding guy with a real bastard of a sword. And <laughs> I just, you know, I had to walk the rest of the way. So I'm, I'm later than I anticipated being.
1: <laughs> Tom, thank you so much for being here with us today. Absolutely. This is, uh, we're still in the middle of this pandemic. I'm going to say it every week because it's, it's so weird. Um, Tom is a long time cast member at Batsu, which Steve and I are also long time cast members at. So it's, it's weird to like, not be able to be with you in person as we do this, but I'm really glad that we are able to do it with you here. After
2: yeah. Spending every weekend together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean, we've had a lot of good news on the vaccine front this week, so yeah, hopefully, absolutely. I don't know, mid-late summer or something, it'll be distributed enough that we can really start getting back together again as people. Yeah, so.
1: yeah, I think a lot of theaters, uh, Batsu included, uh, are, are looking to come back ideally in the late spring, but more realistically, it's going to be like June or yeah. uh, September, you know? <laughs>
2: All of, of that says to that me... <laughs> one third of a of a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that says to me is, uh, we'll see you in twenty twenty two. Exactly, <Yep. laughs> exactly. Uh, so this
1: week we are talking the Untouchables. Tom, tell us a little bit about why you chose the
0: Untouchables. Oh, absolutely. Um, look, I'm from Cleveland. I moved to Chicago, and obviously, one of the most famous people for being, you know, both a Chicago and Cleveland figure is Mister. Elliot Ness. Uh, he ran. He grew up in Chicago. Uh, he was deeply involved in bringing down Al Capone. Um, after that, he moved to Cleveland to work there as the, uh, I think it was the head of um, public safety. Yep, uh, public safety director. Uh, ran for mayor in, I think, 1947. Uh, missed out on that. Uh, but overall, just led a very, um, I don't know, very famous uh, kind of mythic uh, law man kind of life. Uh, mm. In the two places. I think he ended up um, retiring to Cowderville, Pennsylvania, like at the very end of his life. Uh, But he died at, I think, age 57, which was also a little bit tragic. Yeah. Um,
1: This was a movie. So, like, I didn't really know Elliot Ness as Mm -hmm. a character. I mean, you're from Cleveland, so you've got a little bit of, like, a knowledge about him kind of thing. We were talking a little bit before the show here about how, like, I'm from, you know, New Mexico. I don't know anything about chicago or cleveland or i didn't really have like an, a big interest in al capone and that type of gangsters sure so i didn't really know a lot about elliot ness as a as a public figure i know more about like pat garrett and wyatt earp you know <laughs> billy the kid kind of stuff um okay cool but i remember when this movie when i first saw this movie thinking uh i was i was younger obviously but i, I remember yeah. thinking like oh it's kind of boring and slow and like I might have taken a nap during it. Like it, it's it moves pretty slow, but then watching it now as an adult. I feels so deliberate and like there's not a wasted moment yeah. in the movie. It mm-hmm. is so well put together. It's it's truly incredible. I mean, this is Brian De Palma and David <clears throat> Mamet working together to bring this thing up to life. And
0: yeah, uh, I mean, one of the things that I like about Mamet is that all of his plays essentially boil down to a small handful of characters and this is another one where for all the other people showing up in you know uh, capone's entourage and everything there are only really like three or four people that are very important to the movie yeah it's just boiled down to a very like thick e- essence yeah
2: um <clears throat> i had never seen this movie before and uh i i really liked it i thought it was uh I thought it was an awesome mob movie. Uh, The the thing that I was like taken back by, and especially being for like 87, um, I really loved the balls on this movie. Because there are times where it gets a little like over-cinematic, like golden age of movie, like then yeah. when they're riding up on the horse, and the one guy's like, Yeehaw! And it's like, <laughs> not a fucking care of the world is we're gonna take down these gangsters with Tommy guns. Um, but the movie starts off with a little girl in a bar being oh like my oh, god, got your bag. and then kaboom. And then it escalates to like, you know, Sean Connery shooting uh, a, uh, a dead yeah. corpse and uh-huh. like this movie, <laughs> like, even though it has that like, like, I don't know, like classic Hollywood vibe to it. It also has some some shit in it. That's like, wow, that's that's hardcore. It sort oh, yeah. of
1: has it both ways, right? Like it's it's got these goofy moments of them jogging down the street, carrying shotguns in the middle of the night. And having a conversation and then you've got this like haunting scene of an elevator with touchable written in blood as oh. one of their team members is hanging there like it's horrific but also i'm like i don't know i guess you said it just like unexpected moments of levity that are like they're not meant to be funny but they're meant yeah. to like light the tone enough that you can keep going on with the horrific things that are happening in this <laughs> movie um yeah, incredible. Mm-hmm. I did I did look up a little bit about this movie. Uh, so I've got a couple little trivia things for you guys before we get into it here. Okay. Uh, one is that uh, Sean Connery won an Oscar for his performance <laughs> in this movie.
2: Really?
3: Man, yeah. I see Anybody uh,
1: else? No, they were nominated for three other things. Art direction and costuming and... Um, Costner, you make. I don't remember what the third one was off the top of my (laughs) head. But, but yeah, you could best use of face. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Best use of face by Robert De Niro. Uh
1: Yeah. Dude, De Niro kills it in this movie. Everybody does. Everybody does a great performance in this movie.
2: This movie is kind of, I don't know. It's like when I watched it, I was like, oh, this is like. When when Pacino did, ooh, ah, for the first time, then, <laughs> you can see his face doing the, you know, the, <laughs> the mug. And then that part where he's like, I want him dead. I'm like, oh, that's where it comes from.
0: <laughs> yeah. There were a bunch of parts of this that I like also recognize from other movies. Like the most obvious one to me is uh, when Nitty informs uh, Capone that Malone has been killed. Uh-huh. They're, Literally sitting in an opera house watching Paliaggi, yeah. yeah. just like every other mafia movie. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they did it really well, but they also did a thing that has been done a lot.
1: Yeah. Um. One one thing too about uh, not this isn't particularly this movie, but I didn't I didn't realize this is that there is a nineteen like late fifties early sixties serial TV show called The Untouchables. Yeah. And it was made by the Desilu company, which is Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball's company. And it was very popular, but also, like, really? especially for that time, extremely graphic.
0: Okay.
1: And, uh, like, I, I was watching some clips of it and just, like, in shock, like, oh, my God, that was on TV in the <laughs> early 60s. <laughs> and uh, so I might actually go back and watch it. Um, but apparently it also caught a lot of flack because obviously they're fighting like the Chicago mob. A lot of the bad guys are Italian Americans. Oh yeah. A lot of Italian Americans, including Frank Sinatra had a big issue with it. Frank Sinatra even like changed studios. He left Desilu to go be with MGM or something like that. Like really? Okay. Crazy. Yeah. Well, um, that's the only reason. Well, I mean, he had <laughs> yeah. some, he had some mob like, you know, backing on that too. I knew that uh, guy. He shouldn't have been killed like that. Yeah. Exactly, um, but it was interesting. Is that the the TV show followed was mostly about Elliot Ness and the Untouchables post Al Capone? Okay, and their adventures in that way. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. This movie comes out, and then they rebooted that TV series in the early '90s after this movie oh, came God. out on UPN. <laughs>
2: Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so you that's can watch awesome. the, the Ghostbusters <laughs> cartoon and then right into Untouchables? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, guess that, that I guess that makes sense. We grew up on uh, Batman the Animated Series and that's yeah. essentially a detective show just in fancy costumes.
0: Yeah, but if they're doing it live action I'm wondering if they're giving it the full-on like Smallville treatment where everybody's sexy and they have to have a lot of like human drama like malone and i don't know ness's wife have got something going on behind them cough or i don't know i can definitely see that being like a really interesting albeit something you have to like dance around with uh, to avoid you know getting into main, any major historical snaggles or something like that i don't know it sounds really cool though
1: one of the really cool things too about that that 60s tv show is that it featured awesome guest stars. It had like Robert Duvall and Robert Redford and Peter Falk, Columbo himself. Um, <laughs> it's just, cra- I have to go back and watch
2: that series now. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you needed a Peter Falk <laughs> for right. you to Be like, you son of a bitch, a oh, man. <laughs> love Columbo. Um,
0: just lights up a room with a Tommy gun and takes two steps out. One more thing.
1: He <laughs> Reloads. <in> a- <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. It was just, Lot some interesting little facts. And then one other thing, too. Like, so like, as I was thinking about a sequel to this movie, uh, initially, I'm like, oh, well, what else about Elliot Ness? Right. Turns out he was big into investigating the torso murderer. Yeah, it's like Jack the Ripper, like an old school serial killer that never got caught.
0: The torso murderer of Kingsbury
1: Run specifically. Yes. And he never caught the guy. And in fact, was writing an autobiography and died before he could finish it. And so he died sort of, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but I feel like he died sort of like unknown in a way. And only like three years after his death, somebody finished that autobiography and it came out and it was called the untouchables. And that's
0: how he gained all this recognition and being spread.
1: Yeah. I think that's Uh, kind of
0: interesting there is that J Edgar Hoover also was big into like building up media personality for uh, law enforcement, just kind of in general. Like that's one of the big uh, propaganda pushes that were going on through the mid uh, 1900s. And I feel like he was able to finger Ness as one of the people to really push forward uh, between, you know, that and like you were just saying with the TV show, he his, uh Chicago and Cleveland careers both definitely have some very, very interesting uh, adventures for him to go on. And, turning him into kind of a, like, pseudo-mythic fictional character uh, was a great way to, like, kind of bring that to the forefront.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he he also... um, Through through watching this movie, I learned a lot about Al Capone, and I could see why that would make sense that they push out that propaganda, because, like... Mm You know, everything that I've, like, researched, you know, for this movie is, like, everybody loved Al Capone in Chicago. Like, oh, yeah. they <laughs> and, like the whole town was on his side. So, you know, yeah. he, he autographed balls at uh, at Wrigley when he's there. Like, damn. Like, so, so I can see how a lot of Chicagoans back in the day would have been, like, a pushback towards yeah. <laughs> towards trying to glorify the guy that took down their guy. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, so Steve, I I understand that
1: you you took this uh, sequel in a very I don't want to say very serious, but you took it in more of a serious tone. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, I didn't.
2: So why don't you take us through yours first? All right, great. Um, mine is called uh, Sorry Charlie, and okay. uh, and so yeah, this this is. I guess it could be the the opening of the movie of the second movie, um, but it's it's more about like the the fallout of you know the big fish getting taken, Capone going to jail, and uh, you know how the streets are gonna look after that. So uh, it's it could be just like a one off scene, like. Kind of representing the whole movie because I didn't really think, uh, you know, for the rest of it. But, like, it also could serve as, like, the opening scene to the movie. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, here we go. Uh, Tom, uh, you're going to be um, Charlie and everything is is in a C above your lines. Um, I'm going to be Sorry and, Chris, you're going to do the stage directions course
1: okay so this is sorry charlie yep interior night jazz club fade in on a jazz band playing at the most popular speakeasy in town we see a secluded private bar off to the side reserved for members of al capone's gang at this bar we see a slender well-dressed gangster in a dark blue pinstripe suit his name is anthony sorry maroney one of the mob's top and longest tenured lieutenants. He is slowly drinking his gin, Racky, when he hears the door open and sees another member of the crew enter the club. It's Charlie, Chuckles Torero, an up and coming mid-level earner in the family. He is energetic and spunky, greeting everyone in the club as he makes his way to the private bar. Charlie hangs his immaculate white jacket and matching fedora on the coat rack near the bar. Charlie pulls up a seat next to Sari and immediately picks up the cocktail that the bartender placed in front of him. Charlie rises the gl- ra- sorry, Charlie raises <laughs> sorry, Charlie. Charlie
0: <laughs> Charlie raises the glass to sorry. Another
2: day above the ground, you see what I'm saying? Don't <sighs> go getting all glowed up there, Charlie boy. It's gonna be awful cold out there. Uh, say there, sorry. What's got your
0: suspenders in a twist? Don't <laughs> got your ear to the ground, I haven't heard that the goose is cooked? These streets are
2: going to be for the taking. I've been hot on the beat. I've heard all the buzz. Just not too sure I'm going to like the boom that's going to follow, see? Jeez, pal, I don't think you realize. We're not behind the eight ball. We're the ones holding the queue. Big C's
0: gone. This town is ripe for the taking.
2: With him, I wouldn't count those chickens until they're up and flying.
0: Uh, here's to the coup, then. Coop? Here's yep. to the coup then.
2: Charlie finishes his drink and slams the glass
1: down on the bar. Again, the bartender has his next drink ready and gives it to him immediately after finishing the first drink. Sari is taken back by how well Charlie is being serviced. He
2: slightly scoffs under his breath. Pump the brakes, kid. Puffing out your chest like that is bound to get your dome caved in if you're not careful. Maybe even thrown from the water tower. Don't believe me? I'll take you to Rose Hill sometime. Me and my old crew play poker on Thursdays. Charlie realizes he might have
1: overstepped his bounds to a made man. He dials down his boisterous tone a little.
0: Eh, Don't uh, picture you and your fellow bony crew are a very lively bunch there, huh? All those names taken down before their glory. Must be a sight to see. It sure ain't. Sorry finishes his
1: drink and places it in front of him. The glass lingers as the bartender is seen casually drying a glass. Sari's face reads of mild frustration and subtle disappointment. Charlie notices and signals to the bartender and within seconds, a new drink is placed in front of Sari. While Charlie is proud of himself that he was able to help, Sari's eyes wash over to anger as he silently sits in the embarrassment of having a lower ranking boss to get his drink ordered for him. He slowly brings the glass up to his lips and sips. He lowers the glass back and looks at Charlie.
0: You ever run routes out west? Went through Chicago a few times, but that's as far as I've gone.
2: Started up by running trucks out to the northwest. Nothing but flat land most of the way out. (laughs) It would bore you to tears for hours on end. Only cornfields to look at. But once you get through the malarkey, you're rewarded with this gorgeous, evergreen landscape. I'm telling you, greener than any Christmas tree you've ever had. To see them all side by side, truly a sight to behold. Through the trees, we get finally get to Seattle and start setting up shop. There, was, there were a little bit more Wild West out there, but we took the company model and ran with it. The uh, double Bs? Bribing or burying. And I made sure negotiations were handled in a timely manner. I've gained a lot of patience in my recent years. But back then, wasn't the case. After we had the public officials in the pen, we had to put the locals who were fighting for territory in their place, deep in the forest. You ever bring a knife to a gunfight?
1: Charlie smirks and gestures to the pistol he has in his ankle holster.
2: <laughs> Can't say I ever have. Well, I was the one who brought the gun, and we had them on the run. By any measure, it was over long before that. They were a bunch of savages who didn't know when to call it quits. They fought back, and one night, they hit us when we were sleeping, ambushed us in the middle of the night. I lost three men. As they were trying to escape, I caught one of them. I still can't recall the time in my life I ever felt like I did on that day.
0: And any longer, sorry, and I'm going to have to stop billing you by the hour.
1: Sorry, finishes his drink and slams it down on the bar.
2: Shut your mouth. This is important. The bartender brings Sari a drink quicker than the last time. For ten miles, we dragged that bastard through the woods, close to where they were hiding out. He he was barely breathing by the time I tied him up to the tree. Cut to a flashback of a young Sari looking the tied-up
1: man in the eyes. He is hanging within an inch of his life, but he is not afraid. Sari looks confused by his resilience. Processes it for a second before remembering... But this man killed three of his friends. His face is overtaken with anger as he lights a match and softly tosses a match onto the brushwood surrounding the tree. The fire begins to build as sorry walks out of frame. We see above the tied up man there is a world a word written in blood. The letters spell out sorry. Cut back to the saloon.
0: Oh yeah, wait, I've heard this story before. This is uh this is how you got your name? Let me guess, to show people that if they cross you they'll be sorry?
1: Sorry. stares at his glass for a few moments before looking into Charlie's eyes.
2: It was because I had to... It was, uh, sorry. It was because I was sorry that I had to burn down the forest to finish the job. So, if you want to be the guy, you got to be prepared to burn it all down. A
1: silence falls between the two. It is broken by Charlie's standing up and putting his jacket and hat back on. He throws a $5 bill on the bar and then slyly leans in close to Sari.
0: He smiles as he says, Well, in my opinion, this city might be due for another fire. <laughs> Take it easy, old timer.
1: Sorry hangs his head and lets out a disappointed groan. Charlie walks toward the exit and walks out the side door to the alley. A close-up of Charlie as he adjusts his coat and hat. Just as he gets situated, we hear a loud bang and see Charlie's draw, draw, jaw drop open. He looks down and sees blood coming out of his chest and onto his pristine white suit. He drops to the ground face first, and when we see Sari standing behind him, holding a smoking gun. He looks down the alley where he sees a car waiting with its lights off. The two men in the car make eye contact with Sari and gives him a nod. Sari nods back to the men. They then turn on the car's lights and drive off. Sari takes out a matchbook, tears off a stick, and lights his cigarette. He looks at his matchbook and realizes there is only one match left looks down at charlie lets out a sigh and then throws the matchbook on his back sorry looks up and walks out of frame cut to black the yeah nice all right all right so this is the
2: chicago fire uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what that show's about. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> Can you imagine if this <laughs> this week on Chicago Fire? <laughs> gangsters <laughs> <laughs> We're doing an old timey episode. <laughs> I I really like that uh, this all just felt like an excuse to
2: Use a lot of slang and phrases from oh. the thirties, yeah, I <laughs> oh. I looked up numerous <laughs> it's about like this been like two hours diving through stuff, and I barely used any of it because it would it would sound so ridiculous like, <laughs> some of it no, that's one of the
0: best parts of gangster culture and just mob movies altogether, though, like just the slang you can throw to throw together while you're you know, uh-huh. doing bits of it, you know it's
1: Oh, I love it. They do have the best phrases, right? Like, uh, I don't know. We'll make make up a gangster phrase right now and be like, oh, hey, you got to put the cap on that pen. You know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's all innuendo, but it's very innuendo. (laughs) Old Chris always capping pens. (laughs) That's
1: right. That's right.
2: That's why I got my name Caps
0: don't forget you gotta slice the onion sometimes you know what i mean you gotta mix them with the tomatoes if you catch my drift anyway slice
2: those onions, got six bodies but don't, in the don't back cry oh <laughs> well, yeah i th- through that i learned that they used to call women tomatoes because they were quote-unquote ripe for the taking oh shit yeah cool wow that's a. Uh, Really chill I just, and cool. I just, <laughs> I just no, but, no, but I just like, I, I thought about, like, okay, what if I try to do it in this scene? Like, have Charlie talk to, you know, some cigarette girl walking around, call her a tomato, but like, out of context, it just sounds like <laughs> uh, insult. I mean, it is an insult, but like, yeah. Hey, tomato, come <laughs> over here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just at the beach, look at that tomato. Excuse me, what? Uh,
1: yeah, no, that was great. That was that was just gangsters at a bar, getting ready to kill each other. Yeah,
2: man. Yeah. I, I've been watching a lot of Fargo over the past <laughs> couple of months, so that, that makes that, sense. That had a uh, a desire for a two person scene talking at a bar. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, I
1: was exploring how to make a sequel to this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I went through a few ideas and if I had put a little bit more uh, time and research, I probably could have come up with something about Elliot Ness uh, failing to catch the torso killer and how that is like driving him crazy and devolving him to an early grave or something like that. That's a really interesting story. I didn't do that. Uh, I I wrote something that's a little bit more lighthearted, and um, so I've got it here. It's called the Super Untouchables, and uh, between Mac and 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 Steve, which one of you wants to do a De Niro?
2: <laughs> oh,
3: I'm
0: gonna pass. I can't do a De Niro.
2: Oh, I'll all, always, all day, every day. <laughs> all right. All right.
1: So for this scene, um, Steve, you're going to be playing Vito. Okay. Mac, so, you're going to be playing Ness. Nice. And I'll be reading the roles of salesman and Stone, and doing the wall wall.
2: So, so just just double check. You want me doing a, a, a De Niro that is doing a Brando? <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Could be. Could, could uh, be. All right. <laughs> try my best.
0: Uh, how do you do a Costner impression?
2: Yeah, Exactly. I don't know.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, that's like, fine. I'll just be a generic just white of, guy. Just yeah, sort of generic, generic leading man. man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. I am going to say,
1: talk like as, Superman's <laughs> as
0: much as I love this movie, Costner was far and away my just like biggest down note for this movie. He is He cannot emote.
1: Yeah. You know, my favorite character in this movie was the, like... The nerdy accountant guy. <laughs> I was so sad when he got killed. He was, he was so, like, full of life and joy.
0: Yeah, Girl. he was very interested in accounting, and yeah. he was a complete coward for, like, three seconds on the bridge scene. Then uh, uh-huh. Stone gets caught in the shoulder, and suddenly he's just popping shotgun blasts yeah. into everything that moves. It's great.
2: Uh-huh yo i knew that man was gonna die the second he said <laughs> yeah! like, you are not taking this seriously at all this ain't a fucking game <laughs> this doing- isn't a game
1: <laughs> yeah oh that poor guy um mm-hmm. so unfortunately he's dead he can't be in the sequel mm-hmm.
0: the super untouchables yes that is a requirement of sequels uh uh-huh. Well,
1: sometimes. Sometimes you can bring them back from the dead, you know. Um, Not in this one, though. Okay, so this is The Super Untouchables. Exterior, street market, day. Vito examines oranges at a stand. Occasionally, he nods, and salesman takes the oranges and puts them into a paper bag. Salesman folds the top of the bag and hands it to Vito. For you, Don Corleone, please. Banner, banner. Vito smile, frown nods at Salesman and pats his shoulder. Vito walks across the street to his <laughs> black car parked along the curb. Going somewhere? Godfather? Vito turns around to see Ness, flanked by two officers. They each wield a shotgun. Ness and Vito stare at each other for a moment, studying each other's faces.
2: Have we
0: met? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Your face. Uh, Yeah, yours too.
1: Ness shakes his head. Uh, You got a receipt? For oranges?
0: Yeah, I didn't see you pay for those. They were a gift.
1: A gift, huh? Vito turns around again to see Stone standing with the revolver aimed at him. They give each other a knowing look that turns quizzical. Do they (laughs) know each other? Have we met? No, I don't know. Your face is so familiar.
2: Yeah. Not only do you look like someone uh, untouchable, I mean, touchable, you uh, <laughs> <laughs> you look like the kind of guy that would uh, be my grandson, uh, have, uh, have a relationship with his cousin, my granddaughter, and eventually take over the family business. What? Nothing.
0: Uh, enough. You're coming with us, Corleon. You're under arrest for stealing. Or do you want us to spill your oranges all over the street?
2: If you're gonna shoot me, shoot me. Oh, I don't have to shoot you. PK, fire!
1: <laughs> Ness drops his shotgun oh, and thrusts his hands forward. A red bolt bursts outward, setting Vito ablaze. Vito drops his oranges, screaming. Oranges spill all over the street and sidewalk. As Vito struggles with the flames, Ness pulls out a baseball bat, walks up to Vito and swings. Vito goes flying <laughs> out screen. Ness turns directly into camera, puts his hands on his hips, and bows. Okay. And <laughs> 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 that's,
2: that's good. Super Smash Untouchables.
0: <laughs> oh, I love um, some Earthbound, though. Goddamn.
2: And, uh, you know, that did cross my mind. We <laughs> they said the words Ness a couple times in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so clearly I
1: just wanted to have a Elliot Ness with another gangster. Uh, but I liked the idea that uh, De Niro's playing in both movies he's he's the gangster yeah you, know, you look really familiar. yeah uh, and andy garcia for that matter is also in the godfather um that's <laughs> right
2: He's so <laughs> the he says, he says, PK, fire! Yeah. Well, I couldn't figure <laughs> like out how to end it. Just like, in The Godfather. It, so. <laughs> I really, I really wish you would have done a part where Capone's men started shooting, I mean, uh, Vito's men started shooting at him, and he just, like, absorbs all the bullets <laughs> and gets healthier. Um,
3: yeah, I couldn't
1: figure out how to end it, so I thought, <laughs> yeah, I Smash yeah. <laughs>
2: Especially with the baseball bat. Yeah. It, you don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about a uh, a small child character with magic powers uh from, from a video game. <laughs> so that um
1: that was that was stupid. Uh <laughs> thanks for indulging me.
2: You can't fire.
1: Uh let's move right along here. Mac, take us through oh,
2: yours. Small.
0: To give it a little bit of a setup, uh, I couldn't quite figure out what name I wanted to go with, so I ended up going with Untouchables Two, uh, Bad Untouchable Boys, <laughs> or Two Untouch. Two Touch. <laughs> um, <laughs> Both great titles. One of the things that I thought was missing from uh, from the Untouchables Prime was just the fact that uh, Elliot Ness's wife has um, all of like four lines through the uh-huh. entire movie, uh, yeah. and you kind of forget that he has a daughter. Um, but I felt like a little bit of just that human touch between people that isn't, you know, just a bunch of dudes being burly at each other over right. drugs and alcohol. Uh, so I wanted to, you know, I ended up playing with time a little bit. Um, so the <laughs> two people that are going to be in this one are going to be Malone and Edna. Okay. Um, but real quick, can I get a small just Connery off between the two of you just to like set things up? Okay. I'm not sure who I want to play who.
2: Uh, uh, (laughs) Let's say... uh, Give me a uh, a famous Connery line. uh, Let's say the
0: small ship set sail, just as Sean Connery.
3: The small ship set sail. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, uh, James Bond. The small (laughs) ship set sail.
2: Oh,
0: damn. That was solid. Okay. Good. (laughs) Damn. Alright, yeah. So, uh, Chris, I'm gonna have you play Malone, and uh, Steve, I'm gonna ask you to go ahead and play Edna, which I think was the first of... Yeah, this one was Edna. Uh, Elliot and S had three wives, all their names began with E, it was like Edna, Edith, (laughs) and Elizabeth, or something like that. Not making this up. So I tended to get confused, and I think I spent half the time writing her name as, like, Esther. So if that's the case, that's just take hilarious. that. And that's hilarious. But uh this scene you takes place play? this scene takes place somehow both after uh Untouchables One, but also after Elliot Ness died in his fifties. So just ignore <laughs> that and pretend he died of he died uh shortly after the movie.
2: Okay. But yeah, this as is he's scene. walking as he's walking out from that last <laughs> shot he gets hit by a bus the end uh,
0: Mr. Ness the repealing prohibition guess I'll go have a drink then just wham and later that hit
2: day was a... drunk stumbling out of a bar <laughs>
0: hit with a bus carrying Guinness like Mrs. Doubtfire's husband <laughs>
2: <sighs> oh <laughs>
0: Yeah, to set the scene, we are in an art house in Shaker Heights. And by art house, I obviously mean a house filled with, you know, works of art uh, by one Miss Edna Ness. Um, and yeah, with that, I guess I'll do the voice work, uh, setting all the other stuff. Uh, I don't remember what that's called in these terms, but yeah, let's kick it off. <clears throat> all right. uh, art house. Edna is working at an easel.
2: Oh, the texture's all wrong. Malone yeah. enters. Sorry to stop in on you, Miss Ness. Mr. Malone! uh, I'm so sorry. I was working on a piece, and I'm just missing something. Please, Miss Ness, just call me Malone. Why
3: don't you tell me about it? I used to be a night guard at the world-famous Cleveland Museum of Art, after all. Oh, really? Malone? Do tell. But of course, my dear. I was assigned to the East Wing, guarding a set of artifacts recovered from Tamili Nedu, just outside of Chennai. Every night I would watch Nat- Nataraha Siva, Lord of the Dance, as he would press his strong yet delicate feet down on the pale, long snake of man's ignorance. Perhaps I can provide a
2: modicum of insight? Oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> Call me Edna. Um, I'm surprised you don't know my name. I've always been, I've always seen myself as such a bland expressionless girl. Ah, Edna. A very
3: beautiful name for such a delicate flower. Malone sniffs
0: her hair like a really big, deep cocaine sniff.
3: (laughs) Of course, your very quality of blandness that Mr. Ness's attention
2: that and your
3: attention to your work in the arts.
2: Yes, I believe that facet of my character was adequately explored in the first movie, (laughs) as with so many parts of my personality and character (laughs) Once, I do miss my husband, so... Yes, his death by alcoholism was quite an
3: ironic surprise to us all. But enough of this talk. We must complete your work.
2: Well, sir... I've been working with watercolor, but the texture is all wrong. I was thinking oil-based... Enough talking.
3: Enough thinking. Dear Edna, I will solve your problems for you. Malone produces a small-ish box. Behold, my personal collection of the finest pigments imported from around the world and suspended in a delicate wax suspension. Malone goes to one knee. Yours, my dear.
2: Mister. Uh, just, just Malone. Uh, the Crayola 512 pack? Of course. That's perfect. Come now.
3: It is no trouble for a man as worldly and well educated as I am. Let us select your instrument. Pulls out a crayon. Robin Jake Blue,
2: perhaps? To match your egg like eyes? Malone, oh, you. No, I need something more intense. How about... New cran? Banana
3: Yellow, my darling. To match the fear I have of possibly losing you.
2: <laughs> oh, Malone. That's so right, but no, yellow won't work. It just can't. <laughs> my dear, not to worry. New Crayon. Boyardi
3: spaghetti sauce fandango red. The most intense of reds to match
2: my most intense (laughs) love for you. This is perfect. Will you? Will you help me finish my drawing? Of course. My heart, one might always use a more steady hand.
0: Malone takes Edna's hand. They draw. They push too (laughs)
3: hard. The crayon breaks.
2: Oh no, the crayon broke. How will we ever finish? Be at ease, my snoshberry. Crayola always...
3: (laughs) (laughs) Crayola always includes a device for just such an emergency. You will assist me with the crayon
2: sharpener? I don't know. I mean, I've never done this before. Not since... Elliot passed, and we were married young. Will it hurt the crayon?
3: Certainly not, my precious Jay. Edgar Hoover, limited edition collectible figurine. And if truth be told, oh, that's his name for her. <laughs> Let me do that again. It's a pet name. Yeah, it's yeah. something precious.
0: <laughs> it was either that or literally a precious moment. St. Jude figurine. I wasn't sure which I wanted to go
3: with <laughs> I like it. Let me try it again. Certainly not, my precious J. Edgar Hoover Limited Edition Collectible Figurine. And if truth be told, this will be my first time since being resurrected with ancient druid magic. So just hold the sharpener like so.
0: Malone hands her the box, guides her hand to waist level. And I'll slide in the tip. Oh. Malone grinds the crayon intensely for a few seconds, then pulls back.
2: There we there we go, darling. Was that it? I mean, there was all this build-up, but I barely felt anything. Were you disappointed, my Cleveland uh, rock? No, I maybe maybe a little. I, I was just hoping it would go on a bit longer, and I was just starting to enjoy it. Well, it's been a long day for me.
3: (laughs) I've been doing police reports from the overtime I served at the Cleveland baseball team game last night, and I had to make a stop at the donut pantry all the way out in Lakewood this morning for the fellows, and I'm due at the Gund by six, and
2: I'm sorry, I just can't help wishing for a little more. You asked. You are an impossible woman, and I blame you for my own
3: sense of disappointment. But for now, I must go. Malone leaves.
2: I mean, I can't even use this thing now. It's all melted and wilty. <laughs> <Gross. Ugh>. <laughs> Scene. <laughs> oh. Oh, my God.
1: Mac, that was ridiculous. <laughs> that was um, great. I'm glad you managed to. I'm
0: glad you took Boyardi's name correctly the first time because he misspelled his name on all of the cans so that people wouldn't be like Boyardo, like so they wouldn't get confused. But he's another you know little Cleveland legend. Like he started selling cheap noodles in uh, the Depression and just built it into an empire. I so had no yeah. Idea. <laughs> Well, I mean, like all good uh, Cleveland people, he eventually moved, and I don't think he like became famous <laughs> until he was setting up an actual restaurant in New York. But yeah, yeah no, he came from Cleveland. <laughs> um, I, LeBron I, James.
2: I just yeah, want to the say
0: Firestone guy.
2: Yeah, you, uh, you really captured the sexiness of, of <laughs> Sean Connery. <laughs> Even I was like halfway through, I was like, oh I get it. That's what that makes sense for James Bond. So suave. You killed it. You killed it, Chrissy broke me. (laughs) Supremely suave. It was beautiful. He's by Starsberry. He's the only guy that can pull that off. That's ridiculous. yeah that uh oh my god, that was
1: so absurd i loved I love even the names of all those crayons are so good mm-hmm. oh my god Thank you. you damn <laughs> damn that was i'm like oh. I'm mad because it was so much fun uh, <laughs> really <laughs> silly I love it i love I love that jadgar Hoover a doll is a, <laughs> is a pet name.
0: Oh. Hey, man, like all good cops were worshiping J. Edgar Hoover, the guy who created COINTELPRO. I mean, so that's they, cool.
1: they even reference him in the movie, right?
0: Uh, yeah, he wanted to name his child uh, J. Edgar, which is a goddamn nightmare for a person to put on a child.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, his, with his ancient druid magic line, was... Was that uh Highlander Highlander reference? Ooh, uh,
0: it sort of no, felt like it. I was thinking, uh, what was he in the one where he played Alan Quartermain? I don't remember the name and I don't want to say it right now, but uh, I think at the end of the movie, he like they drop his body off back in Africa and they just kind of like show his hand shooting out of the grave to show oh. that he's now an immortal colonizer or something like that. Oh, <laughs> Yes.
2: That's Wasn't like
1: that date. just called Alan Quartermain? Yes, I think so. Yeah, God damn that Sean Connery. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I think the only I feel thing like what, what were you going to say?
0: Oh, I feel like if you're not going to do any movies after this one, that's a good way to like end your career, destroying yeah. your. You as an actor are now immortal.
2: Uh,
1: I think the only thing missing from your thoughts is that um, he, he should have had like Alex Trebek in there, too, just to like really bring home. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a love affair between
0: that would have been solid. I feel like Trebek could have played a really good stone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I dig it.
1: The answer is um <laughs> oh, well, Tom. Thank you so much for sharing that absurd, oh, absolutely absurd script. Um uh, I'm looking back on it now and thinking we should have we should have sandwiched Steve's a little bit more serious <laughs> up
2: in the middle but it worked out fine. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> oh, we got we we got the depressing story out the way. Exactly. The, yeah.
0: I feel uh, like having that li- little bit of salt before the sweet is always, you know, a good way to yeah, wrap up everything else.
2: Absolutely.
0: Uh
1: so Tom, tell us a little bit uh if we're in the me- middle of this pandemic. There's not mm-hmm. A ton of creative projects, uh, at least happening live. But do you have anything coming up that you'd like to plug or pitch to anybody, uh, even like a show that you're into or anything like that?
0: Uh, I have been running a and game for a little while, so okay. I don't think that really counts. Uh, but one of actually one of the favorite podcasts that I've been listening to is something called Knowledge Bite. It's by two, uh, I think, Chicago stand ups. And basically it just um, examines a lot of, let's say, controversial uh conspiracy theory figures and kind of the work output that they do and uh does a thorough job of pointing out why most of it is bullshit so just like as a nice mind exercise i've been finding that is like a good way to calm down when i hear a bunch of people peddling weird stuff online yeah knowledge fight yeah yeah
3: interesting knowledge fight
1: and uh how can people follow you uh on social media if you want them to follow you on social media
0: I generally don't.
1: All right. Don't worry about it.
2: Don't follow Tom. Yeah. Feels um, weird. We care about him until he comes back
1: here. <laughs> yeah, we can uh, we can cut that out. Um uh, I don't know, Steve, do you have anything you wanna you wanna plug? Uh,
2: no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Solid. Yeah, i
1: mean, I'll try yeah. to I don't uh, I don't think I have anything either. Um I've been really, uh, enjoying, um, the, uh, Columbo.
3: (laughs) Go watch, go Uh, watch Columbo.
2: I mean, I, you know, I, I I will say I was, um, uh, go watch the Mandalorian. If you haven't, it's a lot of fun. There's nothing to do with anything, but that's what I've been up to. I've been watching the Mandalorian.
1: Mandalorian's good. Baby Yoda is an all-star. Um,
2: yeah, and uh, if
1: if Baby Yoda isn't featured in any of the twenty Star Wars projects that Disney announced, then I'm going to be real mad,
2: uh, bro. I'm I'm still hoping that group crossover, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for Baby Yoda Nights. knights. Uh, I want to see white eighties coat yeah. and and a, and a speeder. I, I mean, just... they're
0: both Disney properties at this point, right? Like that yeah. should be something they can do. Absolutely.
1: I want the ultimate crossover, OK? I want the Muppet Babies to um, one day Mando walks in and drops Baby Yoda off at the same daycare that the Muppet oh, Babies right. are at.
0: <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we can turn this into like Kingdom Hearts 4 and just get all just' Disney.
1: <laughs> oh, that'd be dumb. Oh. Uh, anyways, you guys, this has been so much fun thank you so much for recommending this movie and it's always nice to revisit a movie especially a good movie yeah. we um as mm-hmm. and when we're recording this we we just finished watching love actually which was a shit movie so it's nice yep. to like counter
2: that <laughs> with something that's actually good um and, and stylized like we we even yeah. done like classic gangster that's true it's mm-hmm. um but, you know, we can cop more
1: gangsters, maybe in the future. For now, I really have to get running, because uh, I am trying to go legitimate. I'm the, the familial leader of a crime organization, and I'm trying to go legitimate. But
2: every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in! <laughs> uh, sorry, but I gotta run uh i uh, i recently immigrated to miami and i'm gonna take this town by storm and uh, it's gonna be lots of women lots of cocaine and lots of my little friend
0: <laughs> you know that works out perfectly i gotta go too i i, I don't want to get into too many details but suffice it to say i'm in league with a set of gentlemen who are just like completely ordinary, like take the most ordinary and make it a little bit extra, and that's how ordinary these gentlemen are, so like, calling things off right now is perfect for me